0: to the Coaching Uncovered podcast. My name is Brent Davis and I'm the host of the podcast and this is my podcast where I get to talk to coaches about coaching and we have got Scotty Williams back again to talk to me today. Um, You keep coming back, Scotty, which is a good thing. So we're obviously uh, talking about some sort of interesting topics for you.
1: Oh, you just make good coffee, mate. That's why I keep coming back. So um, (laughs) that's why I'm here. But no, thank you for inviting me again, mate. Appreciate it. Well,
0: the, the joys of COVID, the only um, podcast that I've done in person is the first one with you. Everything else has been done online. So yeah, it's, yeah. Certainly <laughs> been, True. It's, it's been challenging times in 2020 to try and do a, a podcast in person. But yeah. um, it's certainly been uh, the joys of computers. We can still do this stuff online, which is really cool. Yep. no, it's been good. So I thought we would start talking about golf injuries. Um, I thought with your your experience in this space, um, it's something that comes up quite often in golf coaching sessions about golf injuries. So I thought we might come at it from a point of view and throw it open to the people that are tuning in as well to throw – to us with some of their golf injuries um, and problems that they've had in this space. But I thought probably for the first one we should cover off on probably arguably the most common one you see out there with golfers is they get that pain in the lower back. Mm. So talk me through some some of the causes that golfers would have that cause this pain in their back.
1: Yeah, so I, I do, if I was slightly better prepared, I probably could have actually had all the injury stats for you because I do have that table somewhere. But it is definitely in the top two um, low back pain for golfers. And it, it's one of those things that's probably a little bit um, misunderstood in in so much as how violent the golf swing actually is on the body. So there's been two different studies. One showed that it was six times. One showed that it was eight times your body weight in compressed uh, in shear force, actually through the lumbar spine at impact with driver. Um, and there's been some EMG studies that have shown that the muscles that are that are trying to support the joints at that time are working at anywhere between three hundred up to six seven hundred percent of their what we call MVIC, which is maximum. Uh, maximal voluntary isometric contraction. So basically they work out, they can test manually and work out how hard you can push with a muscle. Then you measure it dynamically and it has to output much, much more than what your sort of perceived maximum is. So anytime you're getting sort of over 150, 200% of your MVIC, the muscle is really sort of maxing out. And obviously what happens sometimes is the muscles aren't quite strong enough to hold those forces. So then the joints transfer in deep and you actually cop a bit of load, and you need to rely on your ligaments to actually hold the joint together. Now, some Which of those, can't be a good thing. <laughs> it doesn't sound very nice, does it? And um, but you know that's that's what happens. And and um, as much as the the forces that go through the human body might be a bit of a surprise to people. It's probably not that much of a surprise that it can cause low back pain because so many golfers have experienced from time to time um, a, at least a stiff lower back the next day from playing golf, if not during or after a round. Or, and and probably even more um, commonly a driving range session actually where it's a bit more repetitious.
0: And probably also at a, at a driving range range as well, hitting off synthetic grass, off concrete. It's probably not ideal for yeah. your, uh, stresses going through the body as well.
1: Because you got that that deceleration. You haven't got the, the ground breaking up and allowing the club head to move through. The deceleration then shoots back up through the shaft and through the body. So it just makes that impact uh, point, which is where most of the um, load goes back through the body, that a little bit more uh, violent to the body. So, um, yeah, so... Um, now, from a, a golf coaching point of view, um, obviously a good golf swing is a lot healthier than a bad golf swing. Um, and it, it's sort of nice to, uh, you know, so you guys obviously, the PGA professional can very much play a role in prevention of low back pain just by helping the golfer to swing more efficiently. Um So uh, one of of the things that would happen by doing that, so so if we look at some of the biomechanical causes of low back pain, one of the main ones is crunch factor, which you would have heard about. So as you're coming down to impact, um, side flexing, if I'm a right-hand golfer, I'll side bend to the right and I'll compress all the joints, the facet joints in particular, but the disc cop a bit of a compression there as well, um, right as the load is going through my body. Um, you can also get it from the sort of reverse C position, which is in that follow-through position, and repetitively doing that over and over again. So these are similar things that happen to fast bowlers, actually, that sort of side flexion with rotation um, right as the load is transferring up through your feet and into your body.
0: It's um, it, And you touch on a great point there. I think um, it's really important for golf coaches to be – um, get their basic understanding of this type of stuff um, clear because if you aren't teaching an effective golf swing, you can cause problems, you can cause injuries. So you need to understand that 3D stuff and understand a bit about how the golf swing should be um, done mm. um, because you can certainly cause injuries to golfers out there. So and certainly encourage golfers to get a bit of uh, a general – Understanding of 3D golf swings and how how it how it should work. So yeah, so, so part
1: of that sort of upskilling yourself. Um, this is for anyone really, but Cabri et al. C A B um, R I two thousand and nine. There was a systematic review on golf injuries. There's actually been multiple systematic reviews done, but that's probably one of the better ones. And there's a nice little diagram that I've sort of appropriated, which that shows all the different zones of the body and the phases of the swing that actually loads those areas so that can be a nice little shortcut um, particularly for golf coaches to to understand if someone if their um, client or their player that they're working with is telling them that they're getting sore in that area of their body that they could sort of instantly go well it's probably likely to be this phase of the golf swing you know and train their coach's eye straight to that point and maybe see if they can um, make some adjustments, which are probably going to result in better performance as well, no doubt.
0: So from a physical perspective, if someone came to you with those with those problems in the back, what type of screening do you do early on to find out if it's a golf swing problem or it's a physical breakdown or is there something underlying that's causing those problems for that player?
1: Yeah, so it'd be probably a three pronged approach. I would love to see a video of their golf swing. It'd be great if I have coach input on that as well. But my eyes generally good enough now to be able to spot some of these things. Um, particularly if you know phones are so good now, you can slow it right down. You can actually see biomechanically what's happening. Not nowhere near as good as three D, but I mean it's a pretty good indicator. Um, obviously questioning your your client and asking them at when does it cause of the pain when is it mid-round is it on the driving ranges afterwards is it the next day when is it that the pain actually shows itself um because if they're feeling it during the swing then you can often break it down to which part of the swing and they can actually tell you the answer to that um, and so then that takes me straight to maybe two or three screenings that I'll physical screenings that I'll do so if it's low back pain I'd be looking just looking at the musculature and the symmetry of their lower back and seeing if it's overdeveloped on one side um, seeing if it's straight, if the spine is straight, and then doing some dynamic range of motion tests, particularly lateral flexion, can show how the joints are functioning in the spine. Um, so if you can see that they're a bit blocked one way, um, if, if they're blocked one way, so let's say you're, you're standing up tall and you reach down, you can measure it sometimes with how far they can reach down one leg versus the other, but I'm, I tend to look more for the actual spine itself when they're doing that test. But as a general way to look, if they can reach further one way or if, or if they're restricted the other way, that's not going to just automatically improve because you stick a golf club in their hand and they swing swing it as hard as they can. It's actually going to get worse and the body's going to have to protect itself somehow. So that's that's typically what I do, particularly for lower back. Um, one of the other big indicators, so um, Kerry Evans, so 2005, predictors of low back pain in young elite golfers, which was actually done on trainee golf, um, Pj trainees, um, they did a study and they found that having a side bridge. So if you do a side bridge where you get up on one elbow and and your hand, uh, you're on your feet doing a full side bridge. If one side is weaker than the other, that was an indicator for back pain, because that asymmetry is not going to allow the spine to move as efficiently as it would like to. Um, and tight hip flexors is another one that's that's a big one. So. Um, doing a Thomas test where you hang one leg off a table, or even just um, stretching your hip flexors and seeing if they um, if they appear to be tight, can be sort of a, a, a general sort of easy way to go, or even just making sure that you loosen your hip flexors
0: <laughs> th- it's so th- common. It sounds like you have found a copy of the screening that I did back when I was trying to play. <laughs> it sounds like you've you've um you've you've found my my key problems. But um, so how common is Asymmetry in golfers. So I would have thought, being golf being a, a typical one-sided sport. So how mm. how how common is it to see that imbalances in, in the in in a golfer's body?
1: Yeah. So so I think it was Izumoto. So it's Japanese researcher. I-Z-U-M-O-T-O, so you can look that up on Google Scholar if you like. He did a good study on professional golfers and showed that um, compared to non-golfers, there were clear and significant differences in their core musculature in terms of um, in, internal oblique on one side more than the other. Uh, what were the other ones, I can't quite remember, but there was there was some specific and obvious adaptations that occurred around the lumbo-pelvic area um, in response to the asymmetric forces of the golf swing. So the big question, and this is you know, quite an interesting one, um, a debate that we used to have, we've pretty much already settled it, but um, if uh, listeners aren't privy to it, the question I would put to them is, is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? So the fact that they've got asymmetry in their core musculature to their, to the, their sport of choice, is this good or is this bad? So what, what would your sort of gut feel be?
0: It could actually help their golf swing from a technical perspective, but it possibly isn't going to be very good for their long-term health.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I think um, I would prefer Symmetry. But I, it's one of those things where we work towards symmetry but we never expect to get there, if that makes sense. So from a strength perspective, we want to try and even it up but we accept this, that there's going to be some stronger muscles on the side that's constantly getting used. But when it comes to losing range of motion, so if you're getting, an, uh, let's say, a, an inaccurate firing pattern of muscles and all of a sudden to the point where their side flexion of the lumbar spine is not equal anymore – well, that's actually not a positive adaptation. So that's something that we need to address. So if they're actually moving really well, but they're a bit stronger on one side than the other, it's probably not going to be an issue. But, you know, there's a lot to be said and the long drive guys are really big on it these days, strengthening that opposite direction um, you know, it actually that will actually potentially help your swing because if you strengthen the muscles that are going to stop your rotation, it's equal as important as the ones that will create rotation. So, I tend to try and train train them um, with extra sets the other way, essentially, or left-handed golf swings for the right-handed golfer.
0: Well, you you certainly see that in the super speed protocols when they're when you're training with the speed sticks. They're doing swings both ways when it comes to yeah. training in. in in that space so that's obviously got some um scientific support there
1: yeah i know clint rice was was big on that one when he was um taking me through the super speed stuff and uh uh it's been pretty big in baseball for a long time we i played a lot of baseball and we always used to swing left-handed and hit left-handed and i mean it's a nice skill challenge if nothing else but it certainly unwinds the body and and makes it healthier
0: yeah, no, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, okay, so we've come, covered off on some of the basic causes of that of that pain. How do we fix it?
1: Yeah, good question. So um, from from the, I'm going to throw it back to the golf coaching initially. I've I've obviously got what I would do as well, but um, one of the one of the really good studies that I really liked um, was the, and I know I've mentioned this one before, but when they looked at center of mass and center of pressure and they came up with this um, measurement called the angulation jerk. And essentially what it was was how smooth um, and how balanced professional golfers were compared to club golfers during the golf swing. So it's certainly to the naked eye, it looks that way, doesn't it? It looks smooth. It It looks balanced. It looks healthier because when you fall off balance a little bit, and there's unwanted compensatory moves that occur, there's a number of bad things that happen with that that don't happen with the professional golfer. Um, hence why the professional golfer, even though they still get these injuries and pain, but they're, they're, they're copying those injuries at probably 10 to 20 times the training volume that the club golfer will get.
0: And um, the speed as well, because they're at, swinging a lot faster.
1: Absolutely. So we can And they're travelling a lot more, and we can probably forgive them for that. Um so in a sense, they are their swing is a lot more makes their body a lot more resilient because it is smooth and balanced and nice. Um, so when you're off balance, if you lose that contact with the ground and you don't have a solid connection through the ground, it's going to be really hard to fire the right supportive core muscles that you need to be working when force is going through those joints. Um, and when you consider that it takes probably 0.2 to maybe 0.4 of a second for a muscle to reach its full force of contraction, and you think about the downswing being about 0.25, maybe 0.3 of a second, you you already almost don't have enough time to reach full contraction. If those muscles are switching off at some phase during the swing, which will happen if you're not using the ground properly or you're slightly off balance, you just don't have time to fire the support muscles that you need to support the joints when the force comes through the body. So getting that smooth, balanced golf swing is, as it looks, much healthier than one that is, in a sense, if it's off balance, there ends up being some quite fast, jerky movements that are involved, which is forcing certain joints to not be able to be supported in the time that they have, if that makes sense.
0: So I will take that handball and <laughs> just at, that, 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 that complete palm off to say I can't fix it. <laughs> yes. It's a coach's job to fix it. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty ordinary, but that's fine. I will, <laughs> I will certainly certainly take that handball and um, I would enforce that point that it is important to have that, that technically correct golf swing. That certainly makes a difference. And um, probably some of the biggest problems I see with golf swing per se, is the concepts golfers have in their heads about the th- things that they have to do. And it's stuff like keeping the the lead arm straight, keeping the head down, all that stuff that puts undue strain on a person's golf swing. If they're trying to do that stuff from a golf technique perspective, that just makes it harder and harder on the on the body to actually try and compensate to, to do that. If you've got someone that's f- – Physically trying to keep their head down on a driver swing that's going through the ball at one hundred miles an hour, that that can't be good for the body. It, it, yeah. it just it, it just can't work. So um, it is important to 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 do that um, that that technique based coaching from a golf coach perspective to to get that golf swing. So it it, it is a more effective motion. Hmm. But um, so. F- probably I've taken that that palm off I've taken that handball but i'm, I'm I, I am going to throw it back to you now so what <laughs> type of gym work should guys be doing if they have that pain in the back um, is there some general ideas or some general types of training that these golfers should be doing
1: yeah so um so where i where I start to work I guess from a physical training perspective is making sure that they have the correct firing pattern through their core muscles so do they actually know how to engage them first first of all so do they know what it feels like to engage their deep abdominals pelvic floor muscles and and knowing that if they're doing their core training that those deeper muscles need to work first so for example if you draw your navel to your spine you're activating some of your deep core muscles when you load your core with through whatever exercise you're doing Are you able to keep that belly button in or is it going to pop out? If it pops out, the outer unit still is working, but the inner unit isn't and you're not getting the benefit that you should be getting. And the more we train this stuff, hopefully it then starts to work during the golf swing when they actually really need it. Um, The second one is to make sure that from the sort of posterior part of the body that our deep lower back muscles, our multifidus are are firing um, with our glutes and our hamstrings in the correct order. So if you lie on your tummy and you lift your leg, it should go lower back muscle, glute, hamstring. Quite often you'll find the hamstring works first, then the lower back, and then the glute doesn't actually fire until very late. And that's that late firing of the glute, or not at all, mind you, that's that's, um, often an issue and it, it forces the hamstrings and the lower back muscles to get really tight. So through these sort of miss firings of these important core stabilizer muscles, we end up getting very tight overworking muscles that are having to take up the slack that those other muscles aren't doing, particularly your glutes and your deep abdominal muscles. So we might need to do a bit of direct pressure mobility work on those as well. So good old spiky ball, hard lacrosse balls, foam rollers, things like that really come into vogue as we're trying to rebalance the muscular system and retrain it to fire properly. So um that's sort of the where we tend to end up doing a bit of work and it takes maybe a few weeks of training to do that um and then sort of understanding with maybe some basic pivot drills what it feels like to work those muscles when they're actually standing so we i will do pivot drills on a wall um particularly when i've just been doing some of their core training to teach them what it feels like to work those muscles um when they're when they're up against the wall. Now. Um, I do have to be a little bit careful that they don't become overly conscious and think that this is how they're going to be thinking when they're standing over the ball on the golf course because that's a disaster. <laughs> but Yes. But, um, but certainly, you know, from a physical point of view, sometimes you've got to get them out of pain. So we sort of – I will actually have that conversation with them as well about now this is not the best way to be thinking over the ball, you know, whatever your coach is telling you to do work on that but physically this is what we need to be saying
0: spiky balls on on tight hamstrings doesn't tickle (laughs) been Uh, there done that back in the day so it's it's lovely it's um um, yeah again you've 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 certainly found my screening i had so many (laughs) tight i had so many tight tights on my on my posterior muscles lots of pluses yeah Tight plus plus was all the way through Ramsey screening, so that's um, that certainly the place where well. I So you said about firing your glutes there. So Tiger was under something when he's talking about firing his glutes in the golf swing.
1: He was, he was. He may have been, he may have been a few years too late by that point because I think he's, I think he's uh, the damage in his spine and his hip joints was probably inhibiting his glutes. So he was actually right saying he can't fire his glutes, but you can get, a, get to a point where when you're in active pain the brain will basically reroute around the the area that's that's got pain. So that's called inhibition. So often with any kind of um, – whether it's an acute niggle, which may not even be that serious, or whether it's an ongoing thing or you're coming off an injury or surgery, um, gradually you're going to have to wait for that inhibition to to diminish. Otherwise, you can't fire those muscles, and at the very least, there'll be a lag in time before those muscles can fire. So that's why our return to play is um, – and I'm working with a, a couple of golfers at the moment that are coming off some pretty decent surgeries – and, you know, the back sort of chipping and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, we're going to make sure that they're actually truly ready for those muscles to fire um, and, and you know, um, support the joints through what can be quite a violent action, particularly. Uh, and, you know, we want to be able to swing with freedom. We don't want to be, um, you know, worried about that pinch in the back or pinch in a joint that we feel because that's a, that's a great way to ruin performance out there in the goal. And that's happened to me before where you just can't make the – you might have the right concept in your head, But you can't even execute that movement because your body, your brain says, "Look, I don't really care how well you play today. I'm going to protect that joint. Thank you very much."
0: Yeah, which is, um, yeah, that certainly makes sense. Just slightly off topic. If you're if you if you're training a golfer um, with with that core strength to improve that that injury prevention, how do you work with that golfer if they can't feel that if they can't feel the parts that they're supposed to be training?
1: Yeah, so I've got basically a whole bunch of little tricks, um, probably similar to a coach would if uh, you, know, you sort of got plan A, didn't work, plan B, plan C, plan D, and I've got my ones that tend to work with most people. So it can really just be a case of them even sitting and clutching their butt cheeks so that they actually rise up a little bit. Um, so you've got that, that feedback of your body weight against the chair. I mean, most people can sort of do that. They can actually squeeze their buttocks while they're sitting on a chair. I'm um, doing it now. <laughs> there we go. I, I noticed you got a little bit taller actually in the <laughs> Skype that we're on at the moment. So that, that you know, it, it can be that simple to, to know what it feels like to clench a muscle. Um, and so, so using feedback techniques, so putting your hands around your waist and actually feeling your body uh, navel draw into your spine so that you become narrower we can um, i've even got some feedback tools that buzz and that sort of thing if um if you're doing it properly or they make a tone or a sound there's been a bunch of things on the market that can help with that that's probably more your second step where you've taught them to fire the deep abdominals so if you're lying on your on your tummy, for example, and you pick your tummy up off the floor and you can actually feel, even if you've got a bit of extra pudding there, a bit of extra padding, you can still feel that pressure change by drawing your belly up. So whatever it takes to get that, and feedback is really kinesthetic, tactile feedback is very important um and typically getting the glutes to work you get people to dig their thumbs into their glutes and actually feel it working so that they can make that stronger connection between the brain and the muscle um and then obviously the next step is okay let's get up into a real position and see whether you can still make that work and there's a a whole bunch of ways to do that knee band putting a knee band on over the top of your knees um when you're in standing is a great way to try and get your glutes to fire in standing um yeah so really just just a bunch of different tricks for whichever muscle group we're working with and that that's sort of um stuff that you need to be able to pull out pretty quickly as an as an instructor
0: makes sense makes sense now this is probably tied into the uh fixing of the back pain but if you haven't got any pain at the moment if you're a uh, healthy golfer how Mm. or how would you prevent getting it in the future is there Something you can do from a training point of view that will help you stop getting that pain in the future?
1: Yeah, so um, typically, uh, like say, if we get our uh, new squad of um, athletes in it at um, the PGA, I will, in the first uh, two to three months, we do lots and lots of bridges and lots of bridges with knee bands on. Um, because I'm just assuming that they're going to get some pain at some point because they're stepping up their their training volume so much, particularly with their golf practice um, coming into the program. So we just assume that their body, that at least you know maybe 30% of them at some point are going to have a bit of stiffness and soreness. So with that in mind, doing our absolute best to try and prevent that. We do lots and lots of bridges, lots of hip flexor stretching, um, lots of core training, just making sure you get the abdominals to work. I really like doing cable chops, particularly um, cable chops so you've got like a weighted cable and you grab the handle or you can use a power band like an elastic band and getting yourself into a quarter squat putting your arms out straight and just moving through a very small range of motion but feeling your abdominals working through that little bit of rotation so any kind of anti-rotation exercises are are great Um, just understanding how the muscles actually work in the golf swing and that they work sometimes to accelerate, but often to decelerate. And, that, and it's a deceleration of motion, which is the absorption of force, which the muscles need to be able to do. So a lot of isometric holds, so sort of holding a position, particularly bridges again, or training the down phase of movement. So if you're squatting or doing a deadlift, training the down phase of the movement to maintain good position. I really I really like deadlifts provided they're done, obviously with sublime technique and, building up gradually, but essentially, um, particularly if it's a Romanian deadlift, I mean, that is a position that golfers are in. So um, a lot of that weight training becomes really, really important, but understanding that they can, again, layering up from what you mentioned before, what do you do if the players can't feel it? Well, I tell you what, if you're doing deadlifting and you're not getting sore glutes, The next day, something's wrong. If you're getting tight lower back, something's wrong. So often it's um, how they're feeling during the set, after the set, and then the next day I'll be sort of assessing that sort of stuff um, from a training perspective because just because it might look okay doesn't mean it's actually working as it should. And if you're not working the muscles when you're under load, you're not training yourself um, for prevention of injury.
0: Makes sense. Um, So as a golf coach, I can see a golf swing and think, well, that's going to cause problems down the track um, yeah. just by how they're swinging that golf club. We need to need to self-correct that. We need to get that moving in a much more efficient way. Otherwise, that person's just going to get injured and they're going to cause all sorts of problems. Is there something that stands out when you screen a golfer that just screams that that person's going to get injured in, in the future? Is there anything that just stands out? Limited left hip
1: rotation is not good. Um, particularly if we're talking about lower back pain. So if if they can't turn their left hip in very well, then the next joint up from that is the lumbar spine. And if you can't use your ball and socket joints in your hips by utilizing your glutes, then you're not going to absorb the force where you need it and it's going to be the next... next cap off the rank, which is your lumbar spine. So that's that's never going to be great. Um, We've got to make sure that the ball and socket joints are really, really good. And then we know that at least they have the ability to absorb that force. Um, Typically, if we see an asymmetry in lumbar spine flexion, I know they're probably already on the way to feeling a bit of discomfort. because it's due to that overworking of the lumbar spine, the muscles along the lumbar spine and, and the inactivity of the abdominals and the glutes. So we know that that's probably going to be an issue. Um, like you, I can look at a golf swing and sort of know where the different, where the force is actually going in the body. And then, so we can sometimes uh, sometimes look at that. Obviously, you know, if players are getting really high hands and a high left shoulder through impact because they're running out of room, because they're not pivoting properly, you can, you can pick two or three joints so that are potentially going to cop it whether it's their neck on the left side or whether it's their wrist um but but all of that stuff is sort of a i don't know it's you see that global pattern um work out where the screening fits in and work out what the changes need to be but it's probably going to be towards a biomechanically efficient golf swing and a healthy um supported body you know they're probably what we're going to be the holy grail that we're going to continue working towards
0: now, I kind of get a sense of where you'll go when I, when I ask you this question, but I'm just <laughs> I'm keen to get it from the expert as opposed to just the golf coach that's spouting it out. How much pain should a golfer be putting up with when they're training? How much is too much pain? It's
1: all about the quality of the pain. I don't know if you knew I was going to go there or not, but um, so there, there is good pain and there's bad pain. And there are quite a lot of people that don't know the difference um, and I forgive them for that because uh it you know, everyone's different and you know, people some people their kinesthetic awareness is really high, particularly if they've been brought up doing certain sports or gymnastics or with uh, you know, dance or that that kind of thing could really help. Um so that's sort of brain-body connection. Not everyone's developed it that well, or perhaps they're just sort of not that way minded. Um, but you real I really do push the point of where is the pain? So if it's in joints or if it's in connective tissue, tendons, ligaments, um, inside the joint, its a, that's not good pain. So the answer to that is zero. You really should put up with zero of that. Um, you should address that is what you should do. Um, obviously, you know, if you're Tiger Woods and you're limping around in the US Open... With a broken like, leg. <laughs> Here we with a broken leg. We well, we all actually give a pat on the back. I mean, there's a time and place. Don't get me wrong. You've got to be tough. You've got to be resilient in any kind of competitive sport. But in terms of in the training phases... Um, we we should be definitely addressing addressing that, um, and but but in terms of um, you know muscular pain and uh, pain through effort perceived effort and that sort of thing in training, well that's going to be part of the package for sure. I don't want a lot of DOM, so I don't want a lot of delayed onset muscle soreness when I'm training players. It's probably okay in that first couple of weeks of general preparation, but. I want their body to become quite familiar with the movements that we do in their training program so that they're not overly sore because I don't want to be interrupting their skill acquisition too much. And I know that it is possible if the recovery is good and we program them correctly, they should just sort of have that nice nice sore, if I can use that word, just that little bit of a, yeah, I can tell I did a workout yesterday, but I kind of feel good for having that. Um, I don't want extreme soreness. There's something not quite right if that's happening. Even if it's positive soreness, um, that's still not quite right for mine either. What, what's your um? What did you think I was going to say?
0: <laughs> no, no, you were you were exactly on the same path okay. that I was thinking, which is great. And uh, just just touch quickly on that on that that soreness through training. We didn't kind of touch it on too much with the with the periodization podcast, mm. but um, I'll. It's something that will come up in the coaching one. Depending on which order this, these podcasts come out, but um, mm. that could have already come out, and we mm. spoke about it. But it's about um, training through that, and I've always been of the opinion that a, a good quality trainer should be able to build you a program that will increase the strain and increase your strength without putting too much um, soreness into the body. Is that mm. a fair point to make? It's
1: um, um yeah. Look, everyone's. Everyone responds differently. You can you can have a program, and you can have like people can literally do the same thing. and out of 10, 10 athletes, you're going to have two that get really sore, two that get a little bit sore, two that can just tell, and then you know four that don't feel anything. And and it could be it could be how well hydrated they are, how well they sleep, how well they eat, their genetics, their physiology, their training age. It can be so many different reasons. But the general principle is gradualness. We want we want to have a nice gradual approach. Um, the good thing about getting a little bit of soreness through, um, let's just say your glutes or your abdominals, is that you get to make that brain-body connection. Because when you've got a little bit of soreness there, you can actually feel it, and it might be that it might be the next training session it becomes a lot easier to find that muscle group. Or even I've even had players who um, we did some good glute work, and they went out in the course and they could actually feel their glutes, and they played exceptionally well to the point where they come back to me and go, "Give me sore glutes. I'm playing tomorrow." okay <laughs> I, I, honestly there's a guy there's a guy um who did um who won tour school when that by doing that he said i've never been able to feel my glute and we we did some good glute work and it worked and it just happened to be right when and he went out and just shot the lights out i said oh geez mate where'd that performance come from he said i could find my glutes and i'm like no come on he's got no seriously and then i got confident and then i was striking it well and then everything just sort of rolled on from there because we we're able to find his 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 glutes you know I mean that's that hasn't happened much but I that one stuck in my mind and um I wasn't trying to make him sore because he was about to go play but actually that worked so it can work a little bit you know
0: oh, that that's that's really cool I certainly like that um mate, I've, I think I've covered off all the things that I wanted to cover off was there anything that you wanted to add before we before we close it off today
1: I think there was enough curveballs there mate so I think I've probably struck good. out once or twice but not too bad
0: I would certainly love to hear from people tuning into the podcast on any problems that you're having. So any mm. injuries that they've got out there, um, that I'd be keen to 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 chat about on the podcast. We could certainly give you our our two cents worth. So you can certainly get in that conversation on social media. So you can find uh the coaching uncovered podcast at coaching pod on twitter you can also find it by searching coaching uncovered on facebook and instagram and you can find the podcast there and we would love you to join with the golf performance science uh, facebook group so you can search that up on facebook and apply to come in and you can share the conversation there so, thanks again, Scotty, for coming in. We'll get you back in again real soon. And we'll talk about some more golf injuries. We'll hear what the what the golfers out there are having trouble with, and we yeah sounds good. Chat about That'd be that. good. Good challenge. I like it. Awesome, mate. Have a great thanks, day. Mate. Thanks. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me, Brad.